Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blitz 318. We're going to be talking NFL Draft 2020 recap. Uh, we're going to dive into the top 10 winners and losers, uh, which conference got stronger, some of the things that we're going to be diving into. Then we're going to be talking pretty much women's news and notes of, of WFLA and X-League, which is currently in the mix. And uh, we're going to kind of find out if the WFA is going to have a season here. we got another week before May. Uh, we were told that they would make a decision probably in the middle of May. So we still have a hopeful that the WFA will have a season. So currently right now, uh, off-season news and notes, and that's a lot of WFLA news uh, with a lot of players committing to the WFLA on various teams nationwide. And uh, WF, WFLA announcing certain endeavors and ventures uh, to help their uh, inaugural season kickoff. So we'll go into that in a little bit, in about 40 minutes. But for the most part, we are going to be talking draft recap, 2020 draft recap, and what a night it was. A lot of things changed this year uh, in terms of um, the 32 teams because they had to do everything virtual. So there was a lot of things that uh, people were speculating whether it was going to go right, not right. Partners, um, I think they did a, a great job. So it was really very different this year. Everything was done remotely, uh, you know, with – team personnel, draftees, even the commissioner doing the, uh, the announcement out of his basement. Uh, so this was a really kind of a unique moment in NFL history in a way at the same time. So we're going to go through and kind of with the uh, Hall of Famer, Holly Custis here, we're going to go through the first round of the draft, and then uh, we'll go into some of the other key drafts between second and third round. And then we'll dive into – like I said, women's news and notes, and that, well, that's where we're at. We won't have Mackenzie Brooks here today. Unfortunately, she's not able to make it today, but hopefully we'll get her back next week. So for you uh, Salty fans, she's not in today. But we do have the Hall of Famer in the house, and we're going to talk NFL 2020 here. So, um, Holly, um, I don't know. I was I was with you. We were on the, on the, on the uh, group chat as well. Um, no surprise that Burrow went first, right? We all pretty much said that last week. Burrow was going to go first and the Bengals were not going to give that up. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much a, a foregone conclusion uh, for a while now. I mean, again, he he's from Ohio. Um, he had uh, one of the best single seasons uh, in memory for a quarterback. Uh, it seems like the, the right fit, the right time for that spot. And if they didn't pick Joe Burrow, I think that would have just blown the – doors off of everything else so uh yeah that was was uh pretty much a guarantee and i think most of the picks in the top 10 um i think were the ones that uh, we had selected last week so i think we were pretty close yeah and i think everybody was on the same page um cincinnati the biggest winner i think out of everybody if you kind of point it down uh transition in terms of a quarterback um ultimately that was their objective is to get joe burrow drafted they also took um I believe wide receiver T Higgins. Uh, they took a linebacker, uh, Logan Wilson, on day two. They added another linebacker in uh, uh, Davis Gaither. 
um, edge rusher Kareem. And then the, if my notes are clear here, um, it was Adegini and Bailey. So a lot of linebackers, uh, you know, to solidify some of that, uh, I guess, that team to kind of put a, a, a kind of nucleus together for Joe Burrow at this point. Um, so day two and three, uh, Bengals, like I said, really good winners. I mean, when you, when you think about it, so they, they sort of built a uh, good offensive unit around, um, around the quarterback. So I, I would say they were, they were the big winners this year. Uh, I think they, I, I think they had definitely a solid draft. I think, uh, you know, what you have to remember is last year, their defense was terrible, terrible. Yep. Like there, there were any defense, I think it was either dead last or close to be dead last. And I remember early in the season when the Niners played them, I think week two or three, and I was watching, you know, huge holes in the running game. It was, yeah, it, it was like push cheese out there, right? And uh, so, yeah, you, you do get uh, Joe Burrow and you get some uh, young talent on the defensive side. Uh, but I don't think, you know, there's still um, maybe a year or two off talent-wise from competing uh, on the larger stage, but they're definitely heading the right direction now. So if they can take those young pieces and put them together scheme-wise, then, then hopefully you have um, uh, a good starting place for them. Um, definitely, I think they did well. Um, Holly, when you look at it in the AFC South perspective, so we, we'd have to look at the Steelers, the Browns, you know, the Ravens. Um, you know, they got Jackson. Ravens got Jackson, you, you know, up and coming, probably the quarterback of, of the division. Um, will this put Burrow on the map, or will it take a year before he can put himself on the map, in other words? I think it's going to take some time. Um, I mean, what my big question about Joe Burrow is – he had an amazing season, but the big question mark is how much of that was him and how much of that was his receiving core. And the talent around him was incredible. The LC, uh, the LSU Tigers had 14 people drafted. That, that ties the record that Ohio State had. So that tells you the amount of talent he had around him, right? And so when you're a quarterback and you're dropping back, and your receivers are that much better than the uh, secondary that they're playing against, and your offensive line is that much better than everyone else, it really gives you an advantage, right? So the true test, I think, is this first year is not going to be easy for him. They still have a lot of holes. He's not going to have that big talent gap to rely on, and he's going to really have to step his game up. I think he can do it, but I don't think it's going to be easy for him. I think it's going to take him probably a couple of years to really get his groove. And as he does that, hopefully they can fill in some of those other holes that they still have. I do really like T. Higgins. I always have. Uh, so that gives him an instant uh, person he can grow with. Um, but, yes, I think it will probably take him a couple of years. All right, so – Redskins moved quickly, and we all knew they were going to take Young. They were just like, no doubt. Uh, we were kind of like thinking it was going to be a, cu- a CUDA, uh, but the Redskins basically take Young. So he's the second Ohio State player from the state of Maryland to go to the Redskins, uh, besides last year, which was, I think, uh, Haskins. So um, at this point, you know, no-brainer either. One and two was literally a no-brainer at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Um I mean, Chase Young is the, you know, 
as far as we know so far, the most dynamic defensive player in the draft. He uh, has been on the radar. There's been a, a hype train for him for, for a good while now. And he has length and athleticism. He gets around the corner well. And so, you know, if you're the Redskins and you're Riviera and you're, you're trying to um, make a big splash in your first year there, that, that's a no-brainer selection. Um, sometimes when you're at the top of the draft, it almost is like the draft is drafting for you because you almost can't not draft Joe Burrow and Chase Young because you don't want to be that guy that passes on them and then regrets it later, right? So, you know, I think it's a no-brainer pick. I think he's a a great fit there. I think um, the rest of the draft class is is okay, but I do think uh, Chase Young is, is a great hit right there. Are you surprised that Ohio State uh, draftees did so well? I mean, first, I think first three. Uh, so that makes a with Akuda, uh, the Lions making Okuda, that that would that makes it what three former Buckeyes and three picks. So this program is pretty strong. Um, everybody went. Uh, Detroit didn't pass up, in other words, on Akuda, and why would they? Right? Uh, pretty pretty good pretty good uh, prospect. So I think you got a couple of things happening, right? College football, a lot of it is based on talent. And what happens is the bigger programs have their choice of that top talent coming out of high school, right? Then you add in the name recognition, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're playing at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, um, Georgia, like those big level schools, they're mm-hmm. automatically going to see more tape of you because you are on national TV all the time. And I think you kind of get the benefit of the doubt in that how many linebackers do we see coming out of Alabama every year or uh, corners, um, you know, and now uh, LSU has a lot of corners coming out. And so it's almost like you, your name is tied to that name recognition of the brand of your school, and you automatically kind of get the benefit of the doubt. And so you compound that, and that's why you constantly see a lot of players being taken from these four or five different schools because, number one, they're taking the best talent as a whole most of the time from high school into their uh, programs. Then they're developing them. And then they get a lot more attention in some of these other schools. So that's probably why you, you have that. Um, Jeff Okuda for, for the Lions, <clears throat> Matt Patricia is in like a, a win-now mode, right? He right. is he was supposed to be this defensive guru guy from the Patriots. They had a lot of high hopes, and it, their defense has struggled. So he needs somebody in the – he needs – somebody in the secondary to help him out. And the best corner lockdown corner in the draft was, was Jeff Okuda. And so that one was another one that almost drafted itself in that you're Matt Patricia. You need to win now. You need to fix your defense. You're supposed to be the defensive guy. He needed Jeff Okuda. So um, I think it's a good pick, um, but I I think that's why that happened. So uh, let's put it in perspective here. The uh, NFC North, the Packers didn't have such a great draft. The Lions somewhat solidified a, a pretty decent. Uh, the Bears, I think, were losers as well. Um, Minnesota, I'd have to take my notes out. But for overall, 
the Lions did pick up some sort of a threat in the division that makes it really good, makes them really stand out. And to your point, Patricia really needed this. Yeah, I think um, when you're looking at that division, I think Chicago did okay. They had um, I really like Jalen Johnson, the corner that they drafted uh, later on from Utah. I think he's a solid corner. Um, I think the Lions did okay. I think their first two picks um, in Okoda and then uh, DeAndre Swift at Brundy back is also a decent pick. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it was okay, but those were, were solid. Um, the Vikings, I actually think, had a really good draft. Um, they picked a lot of athletes. They had, I think, like 14 picks, so um, something like that, like 12, 14 picks. So they have a lot mm-hmm. of talent to, to sort through. Um, and the Packers, we might, we might, do you want to address that now or should we come back to that one? Because that's a whole different, we could go down a rabbit no, hole with the I, Packers. We'll, we'll do it as we go through, through it. But I was just mentioning the okay. division itself because overall, I think they had issues ultimately, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's question oh, mark yeah. was, you know, how do we like not <laughs> help out Aaron Rodgers? So we'll go through right. it. Um, but um, the Giants grabbed Andrew Thomas. Uh, Cleveland fans were thinking that, you know, Andrew Thomas was going to, you know, come to them and kind of offensive, uh, offensive help, gives them some offensive help. Uh, but the Giants took him with the fourth pick. So um, at this point, they are also in that mode where they got to get better, especially in the division. So I really think, the Giants uh, adding left and right tackles, I really did, you know, with Thomas and uh, Peart, if I'm pronouncing his name right, I think Peart. Uh, so they, they, they did a really good job there. Um, they also added some cornerback, uh, I think Holmes, interior lineman, Lemieux. Uh, they added Brown and Coughlin, uh, Bronson, Crowder. Um, so they, they really did um, sort of a better job um, in, t- in terms of uh, uh, Gettleman. So I think the Giants are going to be much improved in that East, uh, given what they've done and what they did in the draft overall. Well, I think there was a lot of debate about are they going to go with the line or are they going to go with their defense? And I think, right. you know, um, last week I w- was um, thinking that, okay, depending on which way they go in the draft, that tells you what they think about Daniel Jones. Um, because if they focus on the defense at this point, then they're not quite sure about him. But the fact that they spent a lot of their draft capital on that line tells you that they are buying into Daniel Jones. So, yeah, I do think they've been, uh, improved through the draft um, up front. Um, so we'll see what um, he does with that. Um, but it definitely tells you that they're buying into that. Holly, uh, the era of uh, Manning is done, right? So we're done, right? We're moving to Jones at this point, given what they've done here. It, it looks like, like you said to your point, they've built, they're building a wall, and they're trying to put some playmakers yeah. in the front of the solid line. So uh, they've moved on from Manning, I think, at this point. This is what, we're, what we assume for 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was kind of it um, a while ago, but definitely I think, I honestly think uh, Eli should have retired a while ago, but he was hanging on there. And but you're right in that if you're Daniel Jones, you're feeling pretty good because your organization just went out and and bought you a lot of tools to protect you, right? And so I think if you're him, you're you're feeling like okay, I got to prove them right. 
you know. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but I think that was their thought. So despite not ta- uh, not tanking, um, the Dolphins do get Tua. That was the big question on that day. Everybody on Twitter was going frenzy. Are the Dolphins going to take Tua? Even though O.J. Jenkins was like, Tua, no, I don't know if we can take Tua. Injury prone, da 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 And here they are. They didn't tank. They ended up with the fifth pick. They got, obviously, Tua at number five, despite all the uh, how healthy is Tua questions. So um, are we going to get another Tannehill where he's not going to show up very well? Or, I mean, what what kind of quarterback are we getting in Miami? That's really the question Dolphins fans are having right now. It's like, we take Tua, very talented, but is he durable is the question. Yeah, I think – you know, like last couple of weeks, I was saying a lot of this injury stuff is is valid concern, but I think it was a lot of smoke screen as well. Teams tend to do that sometimes. Um, you know, there's kind of a game within a game in the draft, and um, I was not really in doubt that they were going to take Tua. I was pretty sure they would. Um, I think that Tua, when he is healthy, is very, very talented. Um, I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think Tua is an overall better quarterback than Joe Burrow. Um, I might be in a minority, but I, I just remember what Tua was like before he got all the injuries. If you're in so Ohio, is, that, like we, you that's not going to go well, Holly. If you're in Ohio, that doesn't go well. <laughs> I know. You're in Alabama. I, know that. <laughs> I just like, I'm looking at the. I'm comparing the the history of Tua compared to the history of, of Burrow. And so Burrow has sure. a couple of things against him. He's had one phenomenal year, but the rest of his mm-hmm. history is not very good. So then you don't really know, is this the scheme? Is this the talent around him? It's probably all of it combined. He probably improved, and the scheme was good, and the talent so, was good, and it was a perfect storm so of Holly, Your point is Tua was proven in college, Burrow – is just a one, you know, flash in the pants, here we go, great year. So his 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 literally, uh, his legacy begins in Cincinnati. Is that your point? Yeah, I honestly do feel that way. I know, again, I'm in the minority on that. A lot of people have bought yeah. onto the borough train. But I think for me, I'm looking at the big picture, and it doesn't mean that he can't do it and continue to get better because he can. I'm just looking at, at this point in time, Tua's had a better career so far, besides the injuries. He, um, I, I just he's been great ever since. Like I don't even know. People have been following him since like high school, early high school, right? So he's had the hype train the whole entire time, year after year. He's produced and gotten better, right? And I really think that when healthy, he can be great. Now the question again, is he going to be healthy? I think if you're the Dolphins, the smart play would be to sit him an entire year because I think what happened with Tua is he's so competitive and they really needed him at Alabama, uh, you know. So I think what happened is he just kept playing, kept playing, kept playing, and his body is just worn out. And I think if you give him a year, he is so young, if you give him a year to train, to heal, to learn out of Fitzpatrick, that year will pay off hugely down the road. So the key is, are they going to be uh, forcing him in too early? Because if they force him in too early, I don't think it ends well because they still they, they pick up some pieces in the, in, the, in the draft 
Uh, they're definitely going to be better than last year, but I still think they're not quite there yet. So you don't want to put them in a situation where you're pretty much um, putting him in a spot where he might get injured again because he's not ready to come back and then he doesn't have the protection he needs and he's scrambling and, and you know, putting himself out there again. So, so I think another it's a smart base of a year. Another year for Miami to reassess and then maybe build around Tua? Is that what you're suggesting Yeah. at this point? I, I think so. That, because you, yeah, you got to understand, like a hip injury is no joke. Like, he might be looking great on film in shorts, you know, and I'm sure he's doing well with the rehab, but you don't want to force that too early. I mean, like your hip is involved in everything as a quarterback, you're drafting back, you have to open your hip to throw, you have to close it when you throw, you have to be able to avoid contact. Like the hip is involved in everything. You can't do anything without your hip. So it's not like an ankle that you can kind of play through or like you break a finger and you're, you know, it's a big deal. So I think right. that um, they should really be conservative bringing him back is, is my opinion. But the key is the Dolphin fan base is so hungry for him, they might push him in too early, and that's my concern there. All right. So we'll talk to you here in the perspective of the AFC East. Uh, no Brady in, in New England. The Jets did pretty well with their draft. So they have their quarterback. Um, what are we talking about? Buffalo has their quarterback. Um, so this is, to your point, Miami has to make a decision whether you throw him in or, like you said, put him out, uh, have him learn the playbook for a year and then kind of build around him. So uh, the, AF- the AFC East has completely changed with, uh, with Brady going to Tampa. Yeah, I think it, um, you know, for the longest time it's been, the Patriots and everyone else, and every once in a while there might be a, a team B, but that team B is really on the level of the team C. And the uh, the Patriots, I don't, I still think that they're going to be competitive. You know, I I really think it changes their dynamic that Tom Brady's gone. But I'm never going to bet against the Patriots as long as Belichick is there. Um, but what I do think is happening is the competitive playing field is now finally more even. And now I feel like the te- the rest of the teams in the division are like, oh, my God, now is our chance to make a move. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's probably what they're thinking. I think the Jets were really good in terms of what they did on the draft on the around two through seven. They did a really good job. I think Buffalo had a good year. They just need to just, you know, refocus. Um, like you said, Miami picks up Tua and some, you know, and, and that. So the, the AFC East really, without the Brady factor, as you want to call it, is really going to be a brand, a different dynamic. We're going to see what, like we said before, we're going to see whether Belichick can make another quarterback and is that coach able to do that. And if you're able to do that and put another player in a status of Brady, then we know, <laughs> we know he's the Death Star. You know what I mean? He's the guy that builds, builds the empire. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Holly, the Chargers let go of Rivers. Uh, not that any, you know, not that there's any Charger fans in Southern California left for whatever reason, but they anyway cared. Um, but your boy Justin Herbert, number six. Um, so there you go. Right after the Dolphins take Tua, uh, Herbert gets uh, to Los Angeles Chargers. Um, gonna like basically. 
uh, going to be introduced to the new stadium if it gets done this year. I doubt it's going to be done this year, but you know, the future quarterback, in other words, for the for the Chargers. Yeah, and and this is honestly the perfect spot for him. I think of the quarterbacks on the board, I think he's the best fit for them, and I think that they are the best fit for him as well. I think it's a good match either direction. And the great thing um, that Herbert has going for him is, like Tua, he doesn't have to start right away. They have Tyroid uh, Taylor over there still, and I think um, he'll probably uh, at least start coming out of the gate. And Justin is such a smart guy that if you give him some time to learn, I think he's going to really take off uh, in that offense. I think between the Dolphins and Chargers, the Chargers are actually to winning now. Um, they were really close a couple of years ago. But last year they had a disastrous year where it wasn't necessarily they didn't have talent. It was a talent they had got injured or was holding out, and then Rivers took a huge step back. And at the same time, um, a lot of their losses were very close. So this was a very competitive team. So I think with Derwin James coming back next year from his injury and and the talent that they have in the receiving core uh, and in the backfield, I feel like the Chargers are going to really take off this year. Um, I think they're kind of – they could be the Niners of this coming season – where two years ago the Niners had talent, but they had injuries. And then the people that came back from the injuries added to the new people, created an, uh, a much better team. I think the Chargers could make that jump this year. With the talent they have coming back from injuries and the new talent, I think they're not far off. And so I think for Justin, this is a win, win, win. You don't have to go in right away and be the franchise guy, but you know it's going to be your team in the future. So you can study, you can learn, um, and and come in and try to change um, uh, the team there. And I think, you know, it was really interesting, like you said, the Chargers fan base seems very, very jaded. And I feel bad for them. And, and maybe you can explain it as a Rams fan, but I just like, I really think they were treated very poorly with the San Diego move and I really hope that somebody like Herbert who's a very likable guy can kind of get um, get a positive uh, feeling uh, in that clubhouse uh, because I really think they need it yeah I mean they're second-rate citizens in Southern Cal that's all that's my point because you know the horns are the ones that rule horns rule <laughs> I'm just my perspective no I think they did well I mean they they pick up a quarterback, they, somebody that for the future. They let go of Rivers, which was a staple for them. Uh, to your point, yeah, they got to build some pieces around that, but they can be an explosive team in that AFC East. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think they um, they also added uh, Kenneth Murray, uh, the linebacker, who I think is a, a great talent as well. So you can have somebody that leads your team on offense and defense and uh, – um, and then they also picked up Joshua Kelly from UCLA. I think that was a big uh, pick as well. I think, um, you know, I think they're they're retooling, but they're you have to remember the people that they lost to, due to injury last year, and those people are coming back. Like, Jerwin James is no joke. I like, He's one of my favorite players right now. I think he's just dynamic in the secondary, and he just makes plays everywhere. So if he comes back, that really helps as well.
He's still there? Oh, yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Whatever okay. happened on here. Uh, no, um, I heard, like, uh, weird, like, music, and I was like, no, oh. There's, a, there's a, a commercial background on my phone for some reason. I have no idea how that happened. But um, I'm back. <laughs> That's funny. We're good. I was like, authentic? What's up with this? Um, no, I, I think it's just a, a matter of, like, uh, for them, it's just a matter of getting – uh, themselves back in some sort of, you know, good graces with fans because they don't have a fan base because everybody was so mad that they left in San Diego. So I think Herbert's going to help, like you said. Um, he's got some tools, um, get the right crowd against him. He's got good mechanics. So we'll go from there. Um, Carolina was the seventh pick. Everybody, I think, was really good on um, them taking Simmons, but they took Derek Brown from Auburn. Uh, which is a really good kid, a really, a really good, um, you know, I think he's going to be a force. Every, everybody on their mock draft says he was going to be a force. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Derek Brown's going to be really good, and they need that. Um, and they needed all this change because of everything that's happened so far. Yeah, I mean, I think either direction, if they were going to go with uh, Derek or Isaiah, I mean, I think the idea is they're trying to change their identity. And I think they're going with <clears throat> with uh, Derek Brown because he can uh, plug up a lot of that middle of their defense and he comes with um, a physical attitude. And I think that was kind of a kind of a statement pick because when you are changing the guard, so to speak, I think your first draft is really an indicator of which direction you want to go. So if you were picking, um, you know, a defensive tackle that has a lot of like edge and attitude to him. I think that's the direction you want to go. Um, so I think it's a solid pick for them. Um, and uh, I think that will help their uh, defense a lot. So um, Carolina had seven, uh, I think uh, we didn't have any trades up up to everybody anticipated trades. Uh, I think before that everybody anticipated Miami or somebody to move up, but no trades up you know, through seventh round, uh, through the seventh pick. Um, then Arizona takes um, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, which will help Murray at this point. Um, so he is pretty much a good pick. I think he's very physical. Um, I think that in itself will help them. It kind of resets them up in your own division, our division, which is going to be uh, the Niners always had problems with them. Uh, the Rams have had some what problems with them. Seattle's had problems with them, so getting Simmons here at linebacker could help the Cardinals really stand out in the division. Yeah, I think the Panthers going with Derrick Brown was the Cardinals' game because even though Derrick Brown was where the Panthers wanted to go, it meant that Isaiah Simmons was still there, and I think he fits the Cardinals' personality perfectly. Um, He covers basically the entire field. You can move him around. He flies around. Um, you know, he has uh, all the tools to, to play multiple positions on the defense. And I think that, um, you know, one of the reasons why they drafted him, and I, I saw that they admitted to this later, was that they want him to cover Kittle when right. the Niners play at them. And so right. Isaiah right. can do that. He can guard 
uh, the tight end in space or in the slots, you know, and he's that guy. So I think in the NFC West, you basically have an arms race happening. And I remember at the beginning of last year, I said that the, this division was the best in NFL and a lot of other people, uh, maybe not on the podcast, but in other realms were like, Oh mm-hmm. no, no, no. And I'm like, no, really, I, I promise you it's really, it's really getting competitive. And I think it is draft. I think all four teams did fairly well and it, it's becoming an arms race. And so the Cardinals draft one of the most dynamic players on the board and one of the reasons is because they want to take care of one of their rivals. So I think it's awesome. I think I like the Cardinals. I, I'm glad that they're improving. Uh, and so I think it's a great pick for them. Now, up to that point, we were all, I was on the board. We were on the group boards. We were thinking Wills or Wills would be on the board for the Browns. The Browns were anticipating taking one of them. Uh, the Jaguars were next to take them. And then Jaguars take Wills Jr. So, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Henderson, not Wills Jr. N- neither Wolf or Wills Jr. It was Henderson. So that was uh, one of their picks that they that had that thought about it. Um, they, I guess, they wanted Okuda. They couldn't get up there from what my notes are here. So uh, Henderson, the cornerback from Florida, and then you did get Wills to go to Cleveland uh, to help out, you know, the the team there. So. An upside um, on two tackles available, basically. So they take Wills Jr. They also had Beckon. It was Beckon, uh, Wills, and Wilf that were on the board at that point, uh, be- right before the Jaguars. And the the Jaguars didn't take none of those guys. They took Henderson. So I'm assuming they saw something in Henderson that they want. Yeah, I think, um, like we were talking about last week, I think the Jags want to – um, try to reinvent that defense because two, three mm-hmm. years ago, they were really close uh, to breaking through with the, the amount of awesome defense they were playing with. So I think C.J. Henderson is a great fit for them because he, he comes with a lot of aggressive play. He kind of has some swagger, and that's what they had a couple of years ago. So I think they're trying to get back to that. So I think even though there are some quality tackles, I think that uh, – he kind of fits with the direction that they want to go. So I think it's actually a good pick for them. Yeah. And that put the, that put the Browns on the clock. It surprised all of us because three of the top offensive tackles were still available. uh, And that kind of shocked everybody in a way, right? That they were still available at this point. So the uh, uh, Browns take Wills. uh, And then uh, right after that, the Jets, of course, take Beckon. Um, So he's, he's, he is a, I want to consider an athletic freak. He's really good, uh, really good. And then I think they picked up a really good player there. And I, if they put him in the right scheme, he's going to be like an Aaron Donald type, you know, on one, on the other side of the ball, of course. But, you know, really good to to, to solidify the, um, the quarterback, uh, to help out with the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, basically the, the picks with the Browns and the Jets, are are the same idea, protecting the quarterback. And there was a huge run in tackles in, in this draft. There was, I think, like five or six picks in the first round. And mm-hmm. it seemed like every other pick was an offensive tackle. And, and you know, I think that the the receiving um, uh, depth in, in this draft was, was, was pretty deep. And, and I think the tackle depth was also there. Um, and so I think the Browns, needed to protect Nathan and the Jets wanted to protect Darnold. So 
both of these quarterbacks, you know, these teams are going out to get you that protection. And now the question is, what do you do with it? Yeah. And, and Wilt goes to um, Tampa Bay <laughs> to help out and protect mm-hmm. Tom Brady. I've also, Mac was pretty happy about that. So solid pick. Uh, you know, there's like, like you just talked about the tackles were there. So he goes to Tampa Bay of all places there. And that could, you know, he could be in a contender right away. if Everything goes well in Tampa Bay. So really, really good. And then your Niners took um, Kinlaw. And that was, I believe, on a trade mentality. Um, yeah, it was on a trade, right? They took Kinlaw? Yeah, so basically what happened is, um, you know, the Raiders also took uh, Henley Ruggs at 12, right? So when right. Uh, we're hitting 13 in Tampa Bay, we were originally uh, drafting, and then we traded back with, with Tampa. And once I saw the pick with Tampa, you know, I think a lot of Niner fans, we were thinking it's going to be between C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy yeah. because uh, receiver is one of the needs that we have. We need a number one guy. Um, you know, we uh, we cut ties with Emmanuel Sanders, and we saw the difference between early in the season when we didn't have the number one guy, and then later in the season when we did, it was a big difference for Jimmy G. So we need, we need that guy, right? So we're thinking, oh, we had – at least I was thinking, we have two of the best receivers on the board and we get to pick which one we want. And little did we all know that uh, Lynch uh, and Shanahan are smarter than us. And what they realized is that we had traded away Buckner uh, uh, in the offseason, not because we didn't like him, because everyone knew he's a great talent, but because we knew we couldn't afford him. And what happens, one of the tricky things about running an NFL organization is because you have that salary cap that you have to make tough decisions sometimes and you have to cut away players that you like to save cap so that you can get other players that you need um, maybe in a greater uh, in a greater rate right so they traded away Buckner and then what they did is they ended up trading um, back with Tampa Bay to get more draft capital and get Kimball who's basically the younger version of Buckner. So what you did is you basically replaced one of your best players for a cheaper player. And so Kinlaw is a beast. And I think, you know, really what this pick with the Niners says is that the Niners are who they are. They're not going to get the the sexy pick just because you think they should. Their identity is on that defensive line. And if there's a hole in that defensive line, that is their priority. So that's what they did. Um, so I think it was a brilliant move. I just was a little surprised because I thought maybe they would get a tackle later, um, considering that those two receivers were on the board. It's a really smart move. And considering that they went to the Super Bowl last year and that they only um, they really have a few holes, but they know exactly what they are. They I think this draft period for the, the Niners was – we have a need, we're going to go fill that need. And they did really well doing that. So um, that's what happened there. Uh, but then uh, the receivers that we liked ended up going to other teams. So we'll see how that pans out. Now, um, th- that those moves really, like you said, replaced a lot of things that they had in place, and it, it gives them a solid uh, solid opportunity for Jimmy G to be protected and, and for, uh, you know, to upgrade, in other words, not to lose, like you said, you give away 
um, Buckner to the Colts, but you pick up Kinlaw, which is kind of, a, like you said, a cheaper replacement. Salary cap's not going to be a big deal, and you're able, you're able to get the same players, so that's really wise. Um, uh, Jerry Judy goes to uh, the Broncos, and then you have A.J. Terrell goes to uh, the Falcons. I'm just, just trying to run off the top 20 here because, so, because we're going to run out of time here. Um, and then C.D. Lamb goes to Dallas. Uh, Mac should have been here to c- kind of figure out what she wanted to do there. But um, Austin Jackson goes in that trade. Uh, Miami with the trade there. And they it goes Austin Jackson goes to um, Miami. Then the Raiders, they took, Rugg, I think, Ruggs. And then they took uh, Damian Arnett uh, also in a trade. Um, so this makes them a little better. And um, I, I guess at this point, if you're in Las Vegas and you're going to be rooting for this team, it's a new beginning, I guess, for the Raiders too. Yeah, I think um, I think Henry Ruggs is kind of like a Deshaun Jackson type of guy, right? He has a mm-hmm. he's really fast, really dangerous with the, with the ball in his hands. Um, I'm really interested to see what Gruden is going to do with the quarterback spot. If it's going to be Carr or uh, Marcus and what that's going to look like. Um, but I definitely think they've, they've improved from the, the off season and the draft. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it should be a, a decent start in Las Vegas for them. All right. So let's finish up the top 20. We'll, we'll try to run to the top 20, 21 through 30 next week, because we're going to run out of time at this point, but uh, Clavon Chason, if I'm pronouncing his name uh, right, goes to the Jaguars. Uh, so the Jaguars got two picks within the first, you know, within the first round to improve themselves this way in, in that regard. Um, the Raiders got two picks there. Niners made some changes. So the first in the first, the top 20 at this point, um, sort of predictable in how everybody goes. Round two and three is going to be where we're going to kind of like see who, who picks up the pieces. And then uh, I haven't even dived into three to seven, but you know, that's where usually the, um, the jewels are, especially for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, so with the Patriots, it's really interesting because everyone was expecting them to draft a quarterback and they did the most mm-hmm. Patriot Patriot thing ever by number one, having uh, Belichick's dog make some of the picks. And in number two, um, and plus, by the way, I don't know if you saw, it looked like he was sitting at like his grandmother's like dining room table. I don't know what the setup was, but it was definitely him. And I really think like, if you look at the draft class, it's not like any, uh, sexy names or anything that you're going to be really excited about. But if you actually look at the talent, they're all very athletic you can put them all in different spots where they're very versatile. And I, I think I was right in that their their focus is on retooling their defense because even though their defense was pretty good last year, they, they I think, are one of the oldest teams on both sides of the ball. And so it seemed like they were going to go for retooling the defense. And I think they did that. And they got a bunch of players that they can move a bunch of different ways. And I don't know if their plan is to go with Spitham or try to find somebody else from free agency. But even if they have to go with Spitham for a year, maybe their uh, vision is fix the defense first and then find the quarterback. So 
Um, I just I think that they I think that the Patriots did better than people think. Um, and that that's what I uh, thought about that. And then the other one was the Packers. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I, I you, the Packers were solid in, in that they went like what twelve for thirteen wins last year. And then mm-hmm. I thought they might be a little overrated in that some of their wins seemed a little fluffy. But then when they got to the playoffs, and it, well before the playoffs when we played them in the regular season towards the end. It was a no contest. Like it was like we were playing a college team. The the, the talent up front. Tell me why everybody, was, all the Packer fans on Twitter, were not very happy. <laughs> the yeah, because they, they have they have they have three glaring needs: offensive line, yeah. defensive line, and receiving core. And yeah. they, it's not that they are bad. I like you still have Aaron Rodgers, and you still have, um, you know, a lot of talent on that team, but you only have like one decent receiver. And then when we play them twice, both times our offense and defensive lines made their offense and defensive lines just look absolutely silly. And so you need help up front and then you need receivers because you only have one actual receiver out there and bless his heart. You can only do so much. Right. And so, and then Aaron Rodgers still has, you know, he's getting older, but he still has maybe three, four solid years in there. You aren't far away if you, if they had played it like the Niners did and said, okay, we're not far away, but here are our needs. Let's go fill those needs. The fact that they drafted Jordan Love here tells me I don't think they're in on Aaron Rodgers. Because they got no love. They, no love for Rodgers. No. No, because you could get away, honestly, with um, if Rodgers, like, two years from now, if, number yeah, one, yeah, yeah. the Packers weren't good anymore and then you just needed to draft for the future, or if they were sure. good but Aaron was, like, falling off, you know, like the Chargers type of thing where they get rid of uh, Rivers, then I could see you drafting that quarterback. But four year, three, four years early, drafting Jordan Love here, and then the next two rounds, you still don't address your needs? That tells me they're not drafting for now. They're drafting for later. So that's really kind of surprising. And so, if you're Aaron so Rodgers. Holly, you're wrong. Twitterland's wrong, okay? They are winning <laughs> this season, okay? Their eggs are in one <laughs> basket. They're going, they're going all the way, okay? Watch out. Packerland. <laughs> and uh, everybody was Jordan pissed off it. on Twitter. Everybody it's not that so Jordan Lovett is – um, it's not that he's bad. He has a lot of potential, sure, sure. but he's kind of a project guy in that he mm-hmm. had like a decent year and then he kind of dropped off last year and he has some tangibles that you can work with. Um, and it will, it will actually be okay for him to work under Aaron Rodgers. He'll probably learn, you know, but sure. I think if you're a Packers fan um, or you're Aaron Rodgers, it's evident they don't want to win right now. And that, I think, as a as a fan, considering you still have Aaron Rodgers, you're like, what the hell are you doing? But maybe maybe we're all wrong, and maybe they have a super secret plan that we're not aware of. Yeah. Well, let's hope it, let's hope they can turn in, turn on the magic when they need to. <laughs> the NFC North, uh, the NFC North is still up for grabs almost every year. Given the Vikings always kind of like falter themselves, the Bears can't seem to get it together. The Lions, we have no idea what Patricia's, you know, going to do with the defense. So they still have some hope, right? They still have Aaron Rodgers, I guess. That's what they're going with. Um, 
So, you guys, uh, you can listen to us on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, on Global Women's Sports Radio, on Spotify, and as always here on Block Talk Radio. And I want to just thank everybody for giving us a lot of love, and we're trekking and trending in a positive manner on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. So really, really important for us to get some love because it brings awareness to women's American football, number one. Number two, it also brings awareness of the sport in terms in general so people understand about the sport and the athletes in the sport. So, you know, shout out to everybody that subscribes to us on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify and listens to the Hall of Famer here, the Salty One, Troy Wilson prior to that, uh, Luis Bean, and all the other co-hosts prior to that. So uh, shout out and very, very much thankful for that. Um, we hit 7,500 on Facebook on our Gridiron Beauties page. So thank you to everybody for uh, getting us over 7,500. We're close to 7,000 on Twitter, and we're almost close to, I believe, another 6,000. We're close to 6,000 on IG. So that brings us, Holly, to about 22,000 fanatics on our, all our social platforms, not including that if we include Snapchat and everything, it's about 22,000. 22, so uh, thank you, everybody, for the love, for bringing us – getting us up to it. We've been doing this for eight years. Uh, thanks to Zazzle for keeping the podcast alive and giving us the platform to uh, bring awareness to women's American football and for us to speak about it. So uh, thanks everybody for that. So you guys can go to the hub. If you missed anything during the week, go to the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauties. If you want to sh- get a shirt, get the most popular shirts that we sell. You can go to the hub there. You can see which ones are the most popular ones. I want to give a shout out to the little talented India. Uh, and she's the daughter of Ingrid Cleveland, who's going to play for the WFLA New York stars. And that little girl was uh, sporting our, uh, yes, I am a girl and I play football shirt. So if you didn't catch it, you go to the Facebook page at the no joke football brand shop. So um, there you go. So it's like, Holly, future baller right there, already getting ready to go. So uh, shout out to Ingrid for posting that up for us. Yeah, I mean, lots of great things happening. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, shout out to Ingrid. She's she's a great player. So I'm, uh, I'm sure that her daughter will grow up and, and follow in her footsteps. Yeah, she was pretty cool. So she's really cool. And also uh, she just – got some shirts yes i am a girl i play football shirts so she's all over it so really really awesome um so let's go before we get out of here we got a couple minutes here wfla news um new york dames uh phoenix red tails denver gold rush uh we're announcing the new teams there we'll recap here the birmingham bombshells are going to have their virtual combine may 16th 12 to 5, you can go to at WFLA underscore football on IG, get the details, or you can direct message them for details. The Miami Jewels are going to have their virtual tryout on May 17th as well. The Phoenix Red Tails, uh, they're going to have their virtual trial on May 9th. Uh, Once again, you get the details there on the flyer. You can go directly to the uh, IG page at WFLA underscore football, or you can go to WFLAfootball.com. Um, there's a couple players that were being that were uh, rostered into certain teams at this point. Um, there, uh, Atlanta Amazons announced uh, Roxanne Venus, Ashley McVay. Then you, the New York Stars added Alexis Brown, and then the San Diego Tritons added Christina Camille. 
Isabel Berger, uh, Gabrielle Evangelista from the Brasilia Pilots in Brazil. And then we also had uh, a couple of uh, uh, combine news that's going to come up. The actual combine is going to take place July 18, 2020. Uh, you can get all the details, like I said, at the WFLA underscore football on IG, or you go to WFLAfootball.com. The WNFC is still having WNFC showdowns, and those are on Facebook. So you can go to the WNFC page on Facebook, and you get the details about the showdown. Tonight, uh, I believe it was at 7 p.m. Central, uh, 8, p- 8 p.m. Central, there was the showdown. So you can get check it out on our page. You get the link there and take advantage, and it's a really good game. And um, so, you, you know, everybody's having fun right now since we're in COVID state at this point. You can also go back to the WNFC page and you can go to the virtual camps 1 through 12 on replays. So, uh, Holly, uh, that's pretty much all we have in news. Wf- WFA has not announced whether they're going to cancel the season or not. So, uh, WFLA making a lot of news here, a lot of player acquisitions from everywhere, WFA, LFL, everywhere so they're trying to roster their teams right now for the 2021 launch yeah i mean um i think at, at this point um i am interested to see how these virtual combines work out um and i, I i'm curious to see like what the individual teams look like and if they uh do you know end up practicing like we talked about the other week because I really hope that they actually spend time to structure that out uh, for the players' benefit, um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I'm, everybody's excited um, that, you know, if this works out, all the women get paid. Um, there was a, an announcement uh, this week also by them, WFLA, that they were trying to launch a betting fantasy app. Uh, and like I said, you can get the details of everything that they've announced uh, at the IG page, at their IG page, at WFLA underscore uh, football. So they're trying to uh, get creative in different ways to get revenue streams because it's going to take that amount of, um, you know, ventures or uh, outlets to acquire funding. Um, I think the approach there is that they're not going to rely on butts in the seats because that's never been a proven formula for women's football. So I'm assuming they're taking this in a different realm, and that's what they're doing. They're trying to monetize in a different format so they can pay the players. Uh, So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, The concern is, you know, the football structure, and we've talked about that in past podcasts, but the way they're presenting everything out right now, um, you know, they got the She Beverage Company. They got all these, uh, you know, the dating app. They got a betting app. So I'm assuming all these other ventures is what's going to supplement some of the uh, player incomes. Uh, or they're hoping that those will be player income regenerated, gener- uh, generate things that will supplement the salaries, in other words. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, I think what they're doing is that they're putting, they're trying to put the marketing before the horse, you know. And so I think, again, like my concern is make sure you get the horse aligned, make sure you get the product on the field. And then the marketing will become easier. Um, but I mean, if those things pay off, great. But it, I, I just hope again that they they get the product on the field. All right, um, Holly, uh, legends, uh, legends. I mean, X League announces. I know we talked about last week. We said Michelle Angel uh, was what their their first uh, superstar. 
program superstar, in other words, uh, athlete. And now this uh, this uh, week, they announced. Uh, let me get my notes here. They announced her name, and I'll get it for you in a second here. So another superstar that went onto the X League brand in terms of um, their superstar series, which is uh, Anisha Shali, and she's part of the uh, superstar series, which is a program that the league is marketing and training these uh, athletes uh, to build uh, their brand on route to becoming the face of the league and at some point future owners of a franchise. So it was Michelle Angel last week with CBD and uh, Berkeley Gold, and this week there another uh, athlete was chosen for that. So a change there for the um, X League in a way where they're trying to put there's certain stars up up front and center. So interesting enough, that's a, a change from what the pattern was in their past two brandings. So I guess there are they are making some positive changes. I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think. Um, I mean, it's definitely a step in the right direction, but. Um, for me personally, uh, it's one of, uh, they kind of need to prove it type of thing because I think that with a um, with a league that had a lot of attention for a good while to see it crash the way that it did, and then they're trying to rebrand. Mm-hmm. I think that what you have to realize is, in order to get your reputation back. It's great if you have these ideas, but you have to follow through and make them happen, and you have to be genuine in your intention, and then people will start to follow back. Um, so I'm hoping that's what they're trying to do. Um, I think they're they're good ideas. But I just hope that they're able to execute them. Holly Jaquette, Santia Deck, Sam Gordon, and Tony Harris were on the NFL draft show with, uh, I think, Kay Adams and the commissioner. So it was pretty cool to see uh, three of the top women in, in terms of visibility. Uh, Tony Harris uh, at the Super Bowl commercials, Cynthia Deck for the WFLA, and then obviously Sam Gordon with the NFL 100 uh, promo. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of women involved in the NFL draft uh, this past weekend. And, you know, it's one of those things that no matter – uh, which direction you're coming from or where you've been in the sport to have women involved in any aspect of the sport is a big deal. So I'm excited that there, there's more and more women involved. All right. So don't forget you guys, uh, one more week left for our Twitter giveaway, Twitter giveaway. We're uh, partnering with chief fit uh, bra, chief fit bra, Twitter giveaway, go to Twitter. All you gotta do is retweet the post. Follow us, of course, because if you win, we got to get a hold of you. And then you got to reply with a one-minute workout, whether it be cardio, uh, push-ups. Uh, what do you think, Holly? What other suggestions? Pull-ups. What can you do in one minute in terms of a workout? So, you know, well, you just do a one-minute video. Burpees. There you go. Perfect. So um, the Hall of Famer says burpees. So check it out. you got one more week until the uh, end of the month. And the winner will get a sheet fit bra of their size, and it's a free giveaway. It's almost a $80 value, almost a $100 value. So all you got to do is pretty simple. Go to Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Go to the post, retweet, follow us, 
and then you submit with a one-minute workout video. So check it out on Twitter at this point. Uh, shout out to all our athletes, over 25 No Joke Football Brian athletes on board now. So I want to give a shout out to Lynn Ekberg out of Sweden, the Phenom. Check her out on our IG page, on the brand page on IG, No Joke Football. You can also uh, go to our Gridiron Beauties on IG and also check out Cassie Cubis out there, Stacey Jackman, Sasha Cruz, Phoebe Sketcher, Ellie Mazzola, uh, Lexi DeMeo, uh, Donna Zyke. You got Alicia Paxi from Mexico now, Debs Rodriguez. And uh, last week we announced uh, Nancy Guerrero and, of course, our Mac, our Salty one as well. So uh, don't forget, check them out on our um, Facebook, Facebook brand page and as well as on our IG brand page. So, um, so really good show, one hour. Um, I think we covered a lot. NFL Draft 2020. Next week we'll kind of dive into round two and three and kind of go kind of pink point in terms of two to seven and see who was standing out even more, what talent we have there. But other than that, I think this is pretty extensive. And then we got everything that's happened in the women's game. We're crossing our fingers that the WFA season will uh, be some sort of season. Uh, otherwise, the only football, Holly, is going to be X-League from what it stands right now. So if the WFLA cancels the season, we're looking at X-League uh, as the only uh, women's football alternative. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope the WFA can figure something out. And if they can't, you know, it, it all very much depends on uh, when the individual states and, and the country as a whole is starting to get back out and get back to normal. But, you know, it, even if you can't go play, you can you can still go and train. You can still learn. And um, so I'm hoping that there's football. But even if there's not, we can still have football. We just have to be creative. All right. If you guys are bored, I have exhausted everything you, you've done at home in terms of COVID. Pretty easy to do. Go to YouTube. Look up Gridiron Beauties. And we have over 200, over 200 uh, of just videos that we shared from everywhere, from traditional women's tackle football from Europe, uh, you know, South America, North America, plus all, uh, all of uh, Legends Football League included. So if you're bored, you want football, women's football, and alternate football or traditional football, you go to the YouTube channel at Gridiron Beauties. Thanks, for everybody, for subscribing. We're over 100 subscribers, which is probably a puny, not no big deal type of deal. <laughs> But anyways, we're over 100, so uh, if you want to subscribe, check out all the amazing women over time, the IWFL to the uh, WFA previously to that, now the WNFC, X-League, everybody else. So check it out on YouTube if you've exhausted your Netflix and everything else. And then, I don't know, Carol Baskin? I don't know, Holly. You found the girl, or is she the murderer? Because that's what Mac, Mac was kind of <laughs> pissed off at. <laughs> Everyone, like, honestly, like, at the end of the day, I think everyone on that show is very, very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there, <laughs> I, Are you I think the Carol show Baskin is the same. for the cancellation of the WFA season? Is that where you're going to go really, to? <laughs> it might be. It, it, it might. It might be. I don't know that that woman is very weird to me, but you know, <laughs> it is. It is kind of <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Holly, if the X League season gets canceled, we'll certainly have to uh, blame Carol Baskin. <laughs> I mean, she is. I mean, she she's that kind of person that she is so out there that it's almost like you think it, it's not a real person, but it actually is. 
So she is kind of that easy target of being like, well, I stubbed my toe. God damn it, Carol, why? (laughs) (laughs) When when Carol Baskin's getting to the salty one, and the salty one has to post (laughs) something about Carol Baskin, (laughs) we got problems. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mackenzie. All right. I thought she was going to be here. I was going to hammer on that, but she decided to bail on us. So we'll see if next week she's here. Um, So, Holly, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Uh, Great feedback. Uh, Cool dissection of the uh, NFL Draft 2020. Like I said, we'll go into next week with maybe round two and kind of handpick round three through seven. And then we'll figure out what's going to happen with the uh, traditional, uh, you know, season. We got WFA still to figure that out. We got X-League still on the board. Um, But in the meantime, stay safe. Make sure you follow your guidelines. Uh, there's a lot of states doing openings now by county and by statewide. So please stay safe and then uh, follow directions and take care of yourselves. And we'll be here next week. So for the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, for the absent Mackenzie Salty Brooks, Oscar Lopez here saying uh, really good 318. And I, I got to go celebrate my birthday now. Hi. Happy birthday. I, I would sing to you, but Thank it you. wouldn't be very good. No, that's okay. I'm good. Uh, but thank you very much, and I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go get some cake, and we're good to go. And uh, I'll see you guys here next week for 319. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.